Welcome to the Asylum, and now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. Thank you, Mark LeMay. It is a wonderful day here in western Pennsylvania. Welcome into the Asylum on the Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com. I am Rick Briggs. My partner across from me is Rick Flieger. And we welcome you back for another show, and uh, here it is, midsummer. We are like two weeks away from training camp. I mean, it's hard to believe. It is just It just seemed like the draft was yesterday, and now training camp right around the corner. Yes, yeah, so this gets the point of time in the year where this is how fickle we are as football fans, Rick, where we're going to sit here and whine for the next two weeks. Oh, my God, we're doing this radio show. We're about to go to five days a week here on the Arena Sports Network. There's nothing to talk about. You know, camp's still two weeks away. They don't get here. We'll be all excited for one day. And then after the first preseason game, oh, my God, when will these preseason games end? I want to watch some football, for God's sake. And then the season will start. Here it is, week nine. Where where did the first eight games go? And then the next thing you know, we're talking playoffs. But that's just the way the football My world is. Team is two and six. When will this godforsaken <laughs> season end? That might just be me, though. Or we could be suffering through preseason. Uh, here's another Achilles injury. Here's yeah, another yeah. MCL. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, you know. that becomes what the preseason's all right. about. But hey, thanks for joining us. Check us out at Asylum Football on Twitter. Of course, on the Arena Sports Network. Arena sportsnet.com. Let's start out. Uh, we're going to start our division previews this week, Rick. We're gonna, definitely going to do the AFC North. If there's time in this episode, the AFC East. I believe we have scheduled for Thursday's show or whenever you hear it on the yeah. Arena Sports Network. Uh, of the Scott Fish Bowl, Mr. Scott Fish. Uh, if not, we might get into the AFC East, or we may help. We might get into that uh, this episode. You never so, know. And uh, a little loosey goosey with the time, without a producer and no adults in the room to keep us contained. That's right. And if uh, you know Scott Fish does make it, we will be continuing old home week here yeah. in uh, or month, I guess we should say. We're about running out of bridges we haven't burnt though, so this will probably be drying up pretty quick. Yeah, well, we'll build a couple more here. That's you know. not usually our style, but <laughs> no. we'll, we'll give it a shot. But let's start out a couple headlines. Rick, I want, I want to ask it this way. I'll steal this uh, directly from PTI, one of my favorite shows on the four-letter network. Something or nothing, Rick, this uh, Martavis Bryant wanting to talk to Ben Roethlisberger man-to-man about critical comments that Ben made after Martavis got suspended at the beginning of last season. Something or nothing to you? It's certainly nothing to me, and it better not be much to Martavis either because he ain't going to win that one. No, no. I mean, you're the one that blew 2016, pal. Wasn't Ben, wasn't A.B., wasn't Le'Veon Bell. It was Martavis Bryant who blew 2016. Right. And, and what what did Ben say? I'm trying to recall. It was just basically about, uh, you know, that he lied to the team. I assume that meant he told the team – here, this wasn't true. Where he was right. clean, he lied to the team, and that the team felt left down. Left down. So, and well, they should. I mean, as much as it's evolved into individuality, I mean, we've talked about this many times. You know, like it or not, this is a team sport, and when you have your number two receiver, head and shoulders over number three, oh, talent wise, out for the year and you made it to the AFC title game, I think they all have a reason to be a little bitter. Oh, yeah. And and I think that's perfectly fine. For me, this is nothing just in the fact that – I look, I, I take your point and I agree with it that Martavis probably shouldn't be ticked off, that he deserved anything he got. But at the same time, if he wants to be butthurt about it, or for lack of a better term, that's fine too. And I have no issue with him going to Roethlisberger and talking about it. And they'll work this out. Crap like this goes oh, on in I'm, locker rooms. Oh, of course it does. It, every day. The idea that it, that he announces something that like that public to that's me is, is childish. Now, 
well, that's sort of my point. So I view this, the only reason I even bring it up is I read a couple articles over the weekend and this morning when preparing for the show, Rick, that, oh, how important it is they get along, and if there's a rift between these two, how bad that's going to be for the Steelers. I have to imagine 15 minutes after the first practice in camp, this thing's for either, number one, forgotten, or number two, they can hate each other for all eternity, but they both need each other desperately to win Super Bowls and make lots of money. So these things tend to go away. Exactly. And, and I think it is childish, but you know what I think this is, Rick? We, we do this all the time. I'm starting to feel like I'm waving my cane and telling people to get off my lawn. This is a millennial thing, right? You don't do anything without telling somebody about it, without putting it on Insta face and Snapbook or whatever the hell you're doing. <laughs> Snapdragon. Right. <laughs> you, you don't do anything until you put on there that you're going to do it. You record while you're doing it and then post uh, you know, an aftermath after you do it. That's just what these kids do they'll sit down they'll have a talk and i think it'll be a whole lot of nothing and there's a lot of writers wasting a lot of effort on what the meaning this is this oh, going to exactly. be for the pittsburgh steelers and for your fantasy football team the whole thing just seems crazy to me it, it sounds strange in, in a locker room and there's probably only 10 years between them if there's even that but i think that's that generation gap between these older players and a guy like bryant and the other thing i don't want to kill martavis bryant about this either i have to presume i haven't heard the beginning somebody asked him a question about this this. And here's something we have to stop doing is I'm going to call us media very loosely, but here's something we need to stop doing in the media. Asking a player a direct question and then lighting our hair on fire and calling them a loser for answering the question. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, a more savvy me- a guy with the media would dance around. You know, if it was reversed, Ben Roethlisberger would have tiptoed out of that question. But you ask a 23, 24-year-old kid a direct question, he gives you a direct answer, and then you act appalled that he did this? That's <laughs> right. so damn stupid. Of too. I'll never stupid. understand that. Of course it is. It's gotten to the point it's so sensationalized. It's almost like listening to the National Enquirer. Right. I mean, on every broadcast, be it sports, be it politics, whatever. I mean, you, you watch cable television. You don't watch the news. It's just some right. sh- It doesn't <laughs> matter. And I'm not taking sides with any network because every network has some sort of bias agenda. I mean, you watch ESPN. You're not watching oh, you, sports. No. You're watching the NBA. Yeah, and you okay? know exactly. And you, I can't believe that you do, but we know exactly what ESPN's political lean well, is. Of I course. Mean, they make no secret about it. No, exactly. That's what the world of media has become. And you, you see it so much. I don't know if you heard this. I, I should have pulled the audio. It was a shocker. I didn't. I mean, thanks, Cole. We don't have any producer. Oh, Cole's like four producers ago. Who's... uh. Oh, Alejandro and competitive uh, <laughs> synchronized dancing. Yeah, but anyhow, somebody was interviewing Brandon Marshall about his move to the Giants. Oh, yeah, he walked the, out of the stadium, yeah. yeah but, the but here's what they're doing. They're asking him these direct, pointed questions about is there a difference between the tree? I think it was, this may be overgeneralizing, a difference between how white players are treated versus how black players are treated. Well, he, You talk about a no-win situation. If he answers that question directly, that that writer is going to crush him for being a race baiter or if he answered a different way for not caring about race relations. Or in this case, Brandon Marshall says, this is stupid. I'm not answering this. If you want to talk football, ask me a football question. Otherwise, you can zip it and I'm out of here. And now this guy's crushing him for that. This is what reporters do. It's gotcha media now. And I think this is kind of what happened to Martavis. Oh, I agree. I agree 100%. Yeah, he asked him, like you said, about you know black players being different, treated differently than white. And he said, I'm not going there. Right. And if you're going there, we're done. So he turns around, okay, well, go back to when you got arrested in 10 years <laughs> ago. You know, and it was, it's just, you know, they can't get away there from There was nothing Marshall It's not like, I would love to have Brandon Marshall on the show and say, what are the prospects for the New York Giants? Right. I mean, I, you know, I would love to talk football. The problem Instead with it of this is, kind of garbage yeah. that they're just trying, like you said, bait them into making some sort of a statement so they can crush them. I yeah. mean, that's all they want to do is find something wrong. There was no answer or reaction that Brandon Marshall could have given once asked that question in today's media world where he wouldn't have been plastered all over the headlines looking like a buffoon. Either he's, you know, he's a race baiter, he's not standing up for racial issues, he's surly and not answering questions when he's asked, he's not good with the media. There is no way that turned out well for Brandon Marshall. And this is a situation they put these guys in. So, Brandon, if you're listening, which you probably are. I'm certain he is. 
Give us a call, at, you know, or, or you know, just uh, I am us on uh, Twitter. Your number, we'll give you a call, yeah. get you on the show. We'll talk football. Yeah. We, we won't Strictly go there. Football. I don't care about anything else. All right, Rick. The uh, the long term extension for franchise players deadline has passed. Neither Kirk Cousins nor Le'Veon Bell get a deal done. Seems for all the world. In fact, I believe Kirk Cousins has already signed his franchise tender. Uh, how much do you want to discuss that? The Washington Redskins just bumble everything they do. Yeah, they Every, turn around. They could have had this guy for 19 mil per year if they'd have done the long-term deal last year. Derek Carr gets his deal. Now it's up to, what, 23, 24, and they need 80, pretty much, 80 million guaranteed to get Kirk to look at it, and they won't pay it. So they're just going to pay this guy $70 million over three years on <laughs> fully guaranteed on franchise tags because they just can't handle their business. It is. They turned around. They offered him like fifty three on a deal. Well, two years of franchise. You're already, you know, and you take everything into consideration. You're already at a starting point of like fifty eight or fifty nine. Right. right. It's and it's it's ridiculous. Now the more interesting one. I mean, we can sit here and bash Washington all day, but I, I, we got other things we want to get into. What I do find interesting is Le'Veon Bell still hasn't signed his franchise tender, and there seems to be at least listening to the local media here around Pittsburgh today, Rick, is there's a lot of sentiment that he's going to hold out. You know, for at least the first half of camp before he signs that thing, which is fully within his right. Let's take the – I don't want to get down the business of football and everything. We know what that is. What, how do you, does this affect you and your thoughts on Le'Veon Bell from a fantasy football perspective if he doesn't show up until mid-August? That might be a big if, but if he doesn't, I know how you feel about these things. I'm curious what that does to his draft stock. It, it... – yeah, I mean it. It's a it's a point of concern. But when you if you're, I mean you're you're either picking first or second to get him, right? So basically, your other choice is Ezekiel Elliott, who just got in a bar fight and looking like he's going to be suspended might one or two. Be, games. Might be suspended a couple of games. Now you're out of the running back elite if that's what your strategy right. was. Now you're into the Browns, the Beckhams. And so forth, Julio Jones, you know, because there's no other running back you're going to take over any of these three. No, I'm so, not even close. In that situation, I'm taking Bell. Yeah, and I think what I worry about, and you bring this up a lot, is it seems like when these guys hold out, yeah, you know they're you know Le'Veon Bell is going to sign that thing. It's fifteen point two million dollars, I think, is the franchise tag, what puts him three or four million dollars over every other running back in the league. He's going to sign it. And he's going to play under. But these guys who hold out for a month of camp, isn't it instant they come in and pull a hamstring? Oh, yeah. Tweak a groin. And here's Bell, a guy just coming off a groin surgery, still recovering from it. I do worry about that. But, but look, I don't blame the Steelers for not signing him long term at this point for the kind of numbers he's looking for. I don't think they will get the franchise tag out of him this year. Maybe if he can go 16 games without getting popped for smoking the stickiest of the icky, and if he doesn't, if he could maybe finish a playoff run, that might be nice. If he can show you he can do that, then you consider it. I don't blame the Steelers here. I just worry, you know, when these guys hold out a little bit. I do, too. And I don't think there's been any indication from Bell that he's going to do that, but that's all the speculation around Pittsburgh, so maybe he He's put something, or his agent has put out something. Or maybe somebody in the media did. Who knows? That's possible, you know? too. But but certainly interesting, something to look about. We talked about Ezekiel Elliott. I, I don't think, I don't move him still out of the hole if he's going to face a one or two game suspension. I, I don't think I fuss about that. Do you? Would you take an Antonio Brown over <laughs> an Ezekiel Elliott if you were in the three hole with Elliott facing, say he gets the, the max two games here? Uh, That's that's tough. I would think harder than on Bell. Yeah, probably. Um, because you know, theoretically, Bell's not missing time. He's going to be playing all sixteen games, where you know at max you're getting fourteen from Elliott, and you know a Brown or a Beckham. I tell you what, I mean, you know, quite frankly, I couldn't honestly say right now. I mean, I would tend to lean Zeke right now, but. I think, you know, given the drag, you put a gun to my head right now, I'm not real sure what yeah. I would do. My worry with Elliot would be now, unlike last summer when I screamed he was way overhyped, I might have missed on that one <laughs> a little bit. 
My worry is, you know, this suspension we're talking about is based off, which I think this is ridiculous. You know, not the fact that they're getting tough on domestic violence. Don't, I don't, don't bring me that conversation. But the fact that how long ago this oh, thing happened. Oh, we talked about this yeah, last and, week and or we spent before. time yeah, on that. It's just ridiculous. But that's the suspension we're talking about. Now he, he, I guess he wasn't arrested on Sunday night, but he apparently got in a bar fight. He's been implicated in it. He wasn't arrested. The the guy he beat up isn't talking. He's got, sort of covering for him. You just wonder. Things are starting to pile up here, right? Yeah. Now, normally in a vacuum, a bar, these guys get in a bar fight. I don't know how they ever go to a bar and don't get in a fight. You know they got to be getting tested every time they go out, right? Because every guy that's in there wants to prove how tough he is. He can beat up Ezekiel Elliott, and he's mad and he knows Ezekiel Elliott could just walk over and give the you know the come hither with his finger, and that guy girl guy's girlfriend yeah. is bolting out the door with Ezekiel Elliott. So these guys always face that, and I don't worry about that. But it just seems problems are mounting for this kid. He keeps finding himself in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> and it's interesting too. We talk about this a million times how times change. <laughs> Billy Martin was in a fight a week at least. <laughs> You know, back back in the day, and they reveled in it. Yeah, I don't know, you know why it's such a a bar fight doesn't move the needle for me. <clears throat> Excuse me, but it just seems that there's the wrong headlines coming out on this kid every week. So I don't know. Yeah, I agree. We can talk about Michael Floyd and his four game suspension. I don't think you were drafting <laughs> him anyhow, but drank too much of that uh, kombucha tea. Apparently, yeah. shows up as liquor. Mike Zimmer's not buying it. Says I'll cut you if I find out you're lying. And Deonta Freeman, I thought that was interesting. Getting some run, you know, uh, Lamar Miller's back up there in Houston. He gets popped for marijuana and gun charges, could be facing a suspension. So uh, I think you feel a little safer with Lamar Miller now than you did uh, three days ago. Yeah, I didn't have a whole lot of worries about Lamar Miller, but, uh, you know, losing time to Freeman, but certainly not as much now. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't want to spend a <laughs> lot of me. time on that. Last thing I had, Rick, and then if you had anything or we can get right into the AFC North preview, just wanted your thoughts on this. Mike Florio put out a pretty neat article on what he's pro football talk, I believe. Yeah. It's still the website he runs through NBC now, but I think it's still pro football talk. Sort of exploring what would happen if NFL teams started putting advertisements on their jerseys and their helmets and things like, like race that. Like race car drivers. Yeah, basically. And that's, that's what he compared it to was NASCAR. Now, he didn't dig this deep, but here's what it got me to thinking about. They keep talking about how these games are too long. we got to shorten the games. I think, aren't they trying something this year where they're going to break less between – yeah. Instead of touchdown, break, extra point – or no, t extra point, break, kickoff, break, and then come back for first down, they're going to eliminate or minimize those. Right. If it meant less commercial breaks, would you be more, less, or the same okay with this – I don't even know how you feel about the advertisements, I guess. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's complicated. Look, these guys that have race cars – they're funded by these sponsors oh, to build these cars and everything. NASCAR doesn't own their car. You know, it doesn't right. own what they're doing, per se, like, um, you know, a football franchise. How could you – now, I don't like it, to be honest with you. I mean, it would have to be extremely subtle, like – SunTrust Bank or something yeah, like one little, thing that little shoulder pad because right. I mean you know you're watching a football game and you're looking for numbers and everything I mean you know you could have Quaker State go over your back <laughs> uh, number uh, Quaker State the blue <laughs> helmet there I mean you know it, that would tend to get really messy and I don't know I I think it's kind of now, I, I don't like it. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, yeah. because you can only cut so many commercials. If the money keeps, you know, the players right. earn, keep re in increasing, the owners have to bring in the revenue. The only revenue you have is revenue you, you, revenue from advertisers and television contracts. Well, you know, the television contract sells the time, blah, blah, blah. You know, right. it, it's tough. I But I think, it's, I think it would be very tacky and messy. Right. Now, there I'll agree with you. It would look tacky, and the optics of it I wouldn't like. But here's what I'm going to say in regards to if they did it, if they started putting advertisements on these helmets and these jerseys. I'm not going to like what it looks like, but I'm not going to be offended, to the, you know, upset to the point where it offends me because 
you know, it's the it's impure, you know, it's the city's team and the Steelers. Yeah, we'll use the Steelers or the Packers, you know, these iconic uniforms and, and helmets. And this sullies that because I'm not naive enough to believe that this isn't just a big money grab as it is. There's no purity in the NFL. No, they I are agree. trying to, every time you click on that television, they are flipping you upside down, <laughs> holding you by the ankles and trying to shake every last dime out of your but pocket. But let me ask you another thing. Okay, now you have and, and I understand they're they're dark and light jerseys. But now you have advertisements on say you have okay, I mean here here's a good example. Cleveland and Cincinnati, similar colors. The one time a guy makes a mistake by, you know, somebody hollers, he pitches back to him, whatever, right. in, in a play, and it's the guy on another team. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That'd be I mean, fun to watch, though. Well, it would be hysterical. <laughs> but you get my point. Now, all of a sudden, hey, wait a minute, we've got to, we've got to look yeah. at this. And, and I don't think the jerseys would ch- – well, I don't know. Like, eventually, I guess once you crack that door, exactly. then you go down even soccer uniforms now or football around the world. They're just – they look like NASCAR drivers yeah. now. They're, they're jerseys. But, you know, to, to take it to the next level, would I be more okay with it if it meant less commercial? No. Yeah, I, I'm one of these, maybe I'm the only one on the planet who gets tired of this. You, you hear it in baseball is the biggest refrain, and you can make the argument to me. But, you know, in the NFL, the NBA, we got to shorten these games. Why? <laughs> You're still watching. Everybody's oh, yeah. just whining. You're still watching. Of course. And cutting a game by, even a Major League Baseball game, cutting it by four minutes means nothing. That is so and nominal. And I got news it for you. It means nothing. You bring up baseball. I tell you what, it's not the advertisements that makes the game long. No. You watch these guys gyrate around, and every play is some thought-provoking decision yeah. by the manager. You know, oh, my, he's at... 74 pitches, you know, and we better get on the phone and we have to discuss it a hundred times. And, you know, it's not the advertising that makes no. the baseball game long because let's face it, after three outs, you have an advertisement. Yeah. After another three outs, you have an advertisement. It's not. Yeah, they're you not, know, okay, we're going to take a break in the middle of the yeah. top of the first. The only time they do that in the middle of the top of the first is usually in the middle out. of the top of the seventh when we make four pitching changes well, in the yeah, top of the seventh. Well, yeah, because they hit 75 yeah. pitches. But I, I'm, I'm just to the point I'm sorry, where, I'm sour on that. Yeah. That, that. That just irritates me. Oh, I know it does. I know how you feel about pitch counts. That's not your thing. No. You're Bob Gibson. For everybody at home, I'm shaking my cane right now. Well, I agree. But the with thing is, you can name a hundred of them. Oh, yeah, they, I mean, like that. Yeah, it's it's that just a, over twenty years. It's a different game, and the problem is, you can't just legislate it out now at the major league level because this crap's starting when they're twelve years old. Now mm-hmm. they're on pitch counts in little league, and then all they right. get into all these travel teams with these strict pitch counts, and and they're protecting these kids from I the time. Pit- I pitched in little league. You could pitch six innings a week. We had two <clears> games a week. Mm-hmm. So you pitched one full game and the other guy pitched the other one. Or right? you pitched three, three and three, three. whatever, yeah. something like that. And, yeah, I mean, it wasn't that difficult. No, no, but it's all about all these helicopter parents trying to turn their kids into big leaguers when they're yep. just out of their pull-up. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. I agree. What, one more thing, just thinking about you shaking your cane. <laughs> I beg of you, Rick. You're the one shaking the cane. beg of you, yeah. at Asylum Football on Twitter, I want you putting up more polls. Because I had, I just discovered this today. And I'll admit, I was in the bathroom and bored. Uh-huh. So I got my phone out. Yeah. That's the only, no, if you see me tweeting, I'm in the bathroom because that's the only time I can bring myself to look at it and there's nothing better to do. I used to have the TV, Rick, on uh, one of them, like, arms, one of my those old right. school TV, and I could spin it out, watch TV while I was in there. Well, now it's affixed to the walls, so I can't do that. So now I, I'm on Twitter in the bathroom. So Rick puts out a poll, what is it, the... One record you don't think will be broken. Actually, I was going to try to. Okay, here here is the whole premise of the idea. As a matter of fact, I was bored. And oh, this I, is I so just, fun for I me. I thought it was going to be my whole premise of it. I'm going to put this up, and what it was was which record do you think is more unbreakable? Right. That, yeah. Okay, and I put up. I think Dimaggio's 56, um, Jack Nicholas's 18 majors, Wilt Chamberlain's 100 points. Or Barry Bonds, 762. Right. Okay? The premise was I was going to do another one, okay, 
Oh, you're doing a tournament Do the same style. thing. <laughs> do another, and then take those four winners and slap them on a pole. But no, <laughs> we have to have every Einstein out there in Twitter world. And if you're one of them, listen up. I don't care. I can think up of a hundred other unbreakable records. If they didn't well, like what about? You know, what was the – I, I can't even remember. What about Nolan Ryan, yeah. seven perfect games? What about this? What about that? I had room for four, knucklehead. That's all I could put on there. And go on and find these and go into the mentions. And Rick yelling at all these people, I only had room for four! <laughs> but, of course, in the land of suck that is the Twitterverse, everybody had to show how much smarter they were than Rick. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, one of the four <laughs> – <laughs> and just I could see the anger. You know, folks who don't know you or don't listen a lot maybe don't understand it. I could feel your <laughs> anger coming through those tweets as you start putting the word four in all caps. I could only pick four. <laughs> Yeah, for the sake of going with my normal I am, language. I am in the bathroom, Rick, slapping my knee like a hyena. Oh, it was so fun watching that. Oh, so, thank you for letting me get that off my chest. At, that was so annoying. So check out at Asylum Football on Twitter. Once a week, I am committing Rick Briggs to putting out a poll, the weekly Asylum Football poll, Rick. Oh, I want to see that. I mean, that the whole on. premise of my experiment was shot. <laughs> In, in the first five seconds, because some idiot couldn't just click a, a button well, that's what they do, and right? enter it. You have when, to. Boy. When? When? Are you You're going to get, get your, your act, act together. together. Get your act together, Rick. You didn't get the right, right. four. Hey, I'm going to bring up something here real quick to Go you ahead. before we get to football. You know, he missed all of 2016 with a knee injury. And now he's come back in 2017. He's... On the other side of 36, I think he's pushing 37. Roger Federer just knocked down his 19th Grand Slam, taking the Wimbledon, his eighth Wimbledon. He's now four ahead of Rafael Nadal, five ahead of Pete Sampras, and seven ahead of Roy Emerson. That's impressive. Yeah. Because tennis Grand Slam, that's not easy to win, pal. No. What is it that all of a sudden, and, and you see it with the, with the Williams sisters, it used to be sort of like the NFL running back. 30, was it was over. That was the death nail for a pro tennis player. Is it a lack of talent coming up behind, or are we living in an era with, with Federer, with the Williams sisters, that these players are so dominant that Father Time hasn't even caught up with them? Well, I mean, 37 isn't ancient. It is um, for tennis. Well, yeah. I mean, of course, you remember Jimmy Connors back in the 90s made that run, I think, to the quarter semifinals. I think he was in his 40s or well, something. Well, that's the point. The quarters are the semifinals. Well, that's true. Yeah, the you're abs- winning. Serena yeah. and Venus are winning. Tour- I think Venus come up short in the final, if I'm How not mistaken. Well, Venus is the oldest one. She's the oldest one. I'm not She's- sure. She- She's in that 35-plus range, I would think. And I would Serena's think. not too far behind her. Well, I mean, I have to say it goes back to what you were saying about baseball and everything, life's a lot different. They start playing this stuff when they're tiny little kids, and that's their life, and and they're they're trained much better. I mean, the conditioning, it started when they're early. It's not like, okay, go play tennis and be home for supper. I mean, everything's controlled. (laughs) And, yeah, I mean, their bodies, of course, we talk about Tiger. His body's falling apart, you know, from the swing. So, I think it's just a special player. God, I can't um, get this frog out of my I, I'm the same way. I don't know if it must be allergies or something, but they we're both kind of frogging around here. Maybe somebody needs to clean the studio. Maybe it's four inches of <laughs> dust on all the equipment. That could be it, too. I just thought it was you decorating for Halloween, then I realized it was July. <laughs> it's just, just dirty. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a producer's job as well, you know, well, keeping the studio clean. That's right, and, and Alejandro is an interpretive dance still. But I just thought that was uh, – I wanted to bring that up, you know, before we I, got I into feel football. I've kind of gotten that. Wimbledon used to be appointment television for me. It, it really did. And it, it's probably been 10 years since I've sat down and watched a match. I don't know. Although I suspect, you know, because we're in the 90s and I was in high school through my teen years, I watch it, but I only watch women's tennis. I'm wondering if I was watching it for less than pure reasons. <laughs> Maybe I wasn't that big of a tennis fan. Well, yeah. I mean, that's uh, – I mean, every – Young kid used to, young guy used to do that, obviously. Um, but um, yeah, Rick had to step out. He is really, I mean, maybe you need to get the janitor in here. I got to have to think here. 
because it's really starting to get to him. He's over there. I wish I had a video camera. It's fun watching him on his knees. He's hanging on the couch over there. He's turning blue. I I can't stop the show to give you the Heimlich maneuver, but um, you know I'll haul her at your wife that you're dead when I'm done. Anyway, My we'll get God, away from tennis and let's get on no with uh, football because obviously Whew. that's what we want to talk about. Yeah, let's try to get as much in before I die right here on the. We always talk about if one of us croaked on the air, how good it would be for the other and for yeah, ratings. Yeah. I just always assumed it was going to be you. You notice I didn't break though. That's a pretty good shot. Yeah, you did yeah. good work. You mocking me. I wonder how much of that came through the microphone. Me just choking to death there. Well, that's, that's why I kept trying to talk because I didn't want that <laughs> gagging there. Real professional operation. Let's start out, Rick. Preview the AFC North. I don't know what order you want to take it in. Do we want to give the order we think this is going to end? Just do a fantasy preview. Do that. I tell you what. what you want to do? Well, let's do them in alphabetical order. Then we'll pick the um, how we think the division is going to finish up and we're going to start off with Baltimore Ravens while he's over there gagging again um quick recap last year Baltimore kind of had a dismal season and um they were what what but they were four and two in the division they were eight and eight overall I mean you would think well you know that's not too awful bad but they were miserable for quite some time they finished you know the offense 17th in the NFL they're 28th in the rush you know, and that's going to get into kind of my analysis right there. Twelfth in the pass. Their defense was still pretty solid. They were seventh overall, fifth against a rush, ninth against a pass. But it goes right back to, as I, as I root for my papers here, the problem with Baltimore is they cannot rush the football. And, you know, Jeremy Macklin, he's in there right now. You know, but, you know, let's face it, Steve Smith is gone, okay? Dennis Pitta. Oh, by the way, he was the leading tennis or tennis. Lennis 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 tight end reception leader last year. Those were two of Joe Flacco's most trusted guys. Jeremy Macklin has to develop chemistry with Flacco, and I mean early. Watson's okay, but it's not the same thing with Flacco and Pitta. No, no. By, by any I still stretch. think they're going to bring in Gary Barnage before this is all said and done, right? I, I do, too. But, okay, you have – what I'm seeing, though, we just mentioned Smith and, and Pitta gone. Other than that, I'm seeing a bunch of familiar faces in an, in an offense that's in the bottom half of the league. You yeah. got Joe Flacco. You got Terrence West. You got Mike Wallace. I mean, we've been touting him as a one-trick pony for years. He had you 72 know, catches yeah, last year. Over 1,000 yards. He did. but That's pretty good for a number two, but Steve Smith isn't there anymore. So the question becomes, is Jeremy Macklin, Macklin the number one? But how many touchdowns Wallace have? Four. Only four. That's and Macklin problem. only had two to, well, go with Kansas his, City. to go with his 44 receptions. Yeah. So let's not act like Jerry Rice just rolled into town here. <laughs> no, but Macklin has had success in Philadelphia, the right. team that actually threw the football. Right, right. So, I mean, and, you know, Flacco's going to fling it around. So I think Macklin does have a chance to I think he does, but relevant. that's if you're going – he's going to be relevant. But the problem is you have to run this football. And is Terrence West the guy – I'm not so sure. No, I think Dixon? it could be Kenneth Dixon when he comes back. I Very really, possible. really do. Now, here's what's interesting with Dixon, and that's what I had down for my points with the Ravens here, is trying to decipher this running back situation. Terrence West came out like a house on fire right. last year and just precipitously dropped as the year went on. Dixon came in, had marginal success. Here's what I didn't realize about Dixon, that in his sort of short work, his short burst, of playing well. This kid had 30 grabs. So you think, all right, let's get Dixon back from the suspension. He's obviously a better runner. He's one of those guys, I'm not even going to throw numbers out, he's one of those guys that passes the eye test, Rick, when you watch him run. Plus he can catch the ball, but you bring in a guy that likes Danny Woodhead now, how many opportunities, if you're throwing to the back, how many opportunities is a Kenneth Dixon going to see? Well, so my, I'm throwing, my theory is how many chances, once this gets going, how many chances come week five or six is Terrence West going to have? No, he's done. He's zippy. He's well, done. Yeah. Hell, he might get cut and go ahead and pay Buck Allen nothing. You know what I mean? To be the third one and to run down on special teams. You, who well, not not in the preseason, but after week four, you might see Terrence West sent packing. 
I think they want Dixon to be the I hate to say every you can't say every down back when Danny Woodhead's in town. I think this could be, and we've had years like this, the years Melvin Gordon struggled two years ago when he couldn't get going. And Danny Woodhead basically became the primary running back. No, he never ran the ball, but he caught 60, 70, 80 balls. Remember, Danny Woodhead was getting the goal line work, and we couldn't figure that out when you had Melvin Gordon on the side. I think that could be, if he's healthy, Danny Woodhead is going to end up being the number one running back statistically on this team. It's possible, or Kenneth Dixon could turn out to be the Melvin Gordon. Like you said, he kind of passes a smell test. He does. Everybody he was does. down on, on Melvin Gordon a couple years ago, basically save you or I because he couldn't score. But every play, he was running hard. Right. Dixon seems the same way. I'll put this question to you. So, you know, and I'm sure we'll only cover the NFC, AFC North because this is how it goes. We start talking yeah, about we stuff. We talk for 40 minutes about nothing. Terrence West had 193 attempts last year. Kenneth Dixon had 88. We're talking 200, basically 280 attempts right there. Right. Okay. 4-0 and 4-3, the yards per carry average. You look at some of these other other teams that have dedicated running backs, 280, 290, right. 300 attempts. Do you like – I think, and maybe West isn't isn't a good example. Maybe he's just not that good to to make as your back. But I would think that if you have a guy like Kenneth Dixon, like we said, run in and he's passing the smell test and he's running hard and he gets through camp, you know, he gets back, whatever, and he's looking good. I think it would behoove Baltimore to give him about three hundred attempts. It could, and just try to get this cycle and comfort level of him. Not worrying to have to come out. It's so it's different. I think but for it's whatever frozen. reason they won't, and that's why these right. guys become irrelevant almost. Yeah, in, in certain short format in your standard twelve team format. Anyhow, not in your Scott Fish Bowls in your you know your right. best ball leagues. And this becomes Danny Woodhead becomes the only fantasy relevant back because for whatever reason, even for the lack of talent around him and the really the lack of ability to do it well, Joe Flacco is going to fling the ball all over the yard every opportunity he gets. And they have not decidedly tried to run the ball since, since uh, who? Lewis? Since Lewis retired? Basically, yeah. I mean, they... They make that ridiculous, you know, Super Bowl run with Flacco. They give him the huge contract, and now he's got carte blanche to just fling it all over the all over the park. That's what they do. That's what they keep, they're going to keep doing, in my they opinion. They threw it all over the park the one year they had who? Anquan Bolden, right? Right. They got rid of him. And, and let's face it, he's been he's been basically mediocre ever since that Super Bowl win. Right, exactly. But they're going to keep doing it. That's why I I like Dixon. Is it any other situation, but you factor in the suspension. The nice thing is you can get him at a value. I mean, you can get him really late, so he might be worth plugging in. But I think they're going to keep feeding West a little bit, and I think more and more as they want to fling the ball around, Danny Woodhead, if he's healthy, is going to be on the field more and more. Now, Danny Woodhead could perform to the level of a low-end two and upper-end three, certainly you know, a valuable flex play each and every week in a PPR format, I don't think anybody else in that backfield approaches those levels. No, I agree, because Danny Woodhead is one of these players that he knows where to be. He chips a guy, and then he's open. Right. And and once the quarterback finds it, it doesn't take long for Danny Woodhead to have a comfort level build up with, with a quarterback as a safety valve. And he becomes extremely valuable. And you know, Danny Woodhead's a special player. I mean, I'm curious to see how he comes back from this, these knee injuries. And uh, is he ever going to set your pants on fire? No, but he's going to be relevant fantasy wide, and he's going to be a solid performer for them in the backfield. No question about it. All right, where are we off to? Let's jump. I guess to, Cincinnati. Yeah, I'm not would good be at next. the alphabet, but I think Cincinnati would be next. So. This all, Rick, it's 100% about two things that it's always about with the Cincinnati Bengals. We know Andy Dalton is what he is. He's just a number two fantasy quarterback. 
he'll win you a few, he'll lose you a few. He's just sort of good enough, right? I think this is my opinion on Andy Dalton. This comes down to do we yet, I feel like we've had this discussion every year for the last 37 years, is there a number two wide receiver behind A.J. Green, and what's the carries breakdown, what's the share of the workload going to be like in this backfield? That's everything it's about here in Cincinnati. That's that's all it's about. You have – okay, I'm going to – just one little thing to think about. They kind of had a down year last year. I forget what were they, 6-9-1. and one. Yeah, they had that tie. 6-9-1. and one. <laughs> Andy Dalton had 4,206 yards passing, 18 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Nothing to write home about. Mm-hmm. I mean, still over 4,000 yards. Yeah, but touchdowns were down. Okay. But here's a little fact. A.J. Green played 10 games. Tyler Eifert played eight games. Right. Giovanni Bernard played 10 games. All right? I mean, right there is 20 missed games by probably three of his best weapons. Oh, easily his best weapons. If they can stay healthy, you can already, already see an improvement in a rise in stats in the offense. Getting to your question, right now we have, what, Brandon LaFell, Tyler Boyd, and rookie John Ross. Right. That's the competition for number two. And Ross is an exciting player. I mean, this is a guy you take ninth overall. You take a receiver ninth overall. This isn't the 90s anymore. You expect these rookie receivers to come in and contribute. Right. It's never happened in Cincinnati. You know, this is those things in the back of my head that aren't numbers related that I consider in my draft. No matter who it is, we've anointed how many different guys. Muhammad Sanu, just name the list of people. The next guy behind A.J. Green, and nobody's done it. Yeah. Just for whatever reason, it doesn't happen. Right. Wasn't Marvin Jones there? Marvin for, Jones right, was the other was one. There. Yeah. yeah. Um, unless a John Ross or Tyler Boyd can can step up. Look, Brandon LaFell is basically your Darius Hayward Bay. Yeah, that's a good Solid good enough receiver. Get your gonna, first down. Going to get your first down, maybe a touchdown or two here and there. But as far as a, a huge playmaker and somebody you can rely on, not really. So, I mean, it, it's up to Ross or Boyd. I'm hoping one of these guys can step forward, at least from a fantasy perspective, because it's certainly going to take a lot of heat off A.J. Green and, of course, Andy Dalton. Now, here comes the big question, the $64,000 question, Joe Mixon. Right. Where, where are you at in this kid? I mean, we've already seen where Jeremy Hill and Gio Bernard – Gio Bernard still was the more valuable player, even right. though they hyped Hill up tremendously for a couple of years. Never seemed to – he wasn't a, really a first or second down back that really exploded. Bernard was always in the passing game. And, you know, but neither one of them were even a four-yarder a carry right. guy. Here's what it comes down to for me early on. I don't think Gio Bernard's going to be ready to go. Once the season starts, we know he's not going to be ready for the start of camp. I don't know what that means for for him for week one. If he's not ready, I think we're going to see a clear split of Joe Mixon being the back and then getting all his touchdowns sniped by Jeremy Hill. You know, for as awful of a year as Jeremy Hill had last year, he spent half the season in the end zone. He had nine rushing touchdowns, right. And that's what they used him for. So I think they found – I don't want to say he's going to be a specialty goal line back because he's not that guy, but they're comfortable with him down there. Here's the problem. So if Joe Mixon comes out like a house on fire, he's not going to give that job up. So you downgrade him a little bit because he's going to have a hard time finding the end zone because they're going to use Jeremy Hill in those situations. Plus you have the jump ball to A.J. Green. Plus you got Tyler Eifert. If he plays 16 games, we saw what he did two years ago when right. he scored 13 touchdowns. So touchdowns are going to be hard to find for a Joe Mixon early on. So you downgrade him a little there, but from everything coming out of minicamp for what that's worth is just how impressive this kid's been. Later on, he could squeeze – Giovanni Bernard how right? Bernard will still get his catches on third down or whatever. But I don't think the Bengals are thinking, man, we have got to find work for Gio. He's not that type of player. The real problem is is they've let their entire offensive line go. Is that team going to be able to run the football well, that's, at that's, all? That's another problem. I mean, Jeremy Hill last year, you look at rushing attempts. He, was, he had 222 rushing attempts, Jeremy Hill I'm talking about. Gio Bernard had 91. Of course, he missed – Basically, six, I guess it was six games. Rex Burkhead had 74. So it's 222 to 160. 
Okay. You give, I think the question is, you give 222 to 250 carries to a Joe Mixon. If we get four, five, four, six a carry. Right. Now, all of a sudden, we have a back. Right. And I think he squeezes Bernard out. Well, I think he squeezes Hill out. I think Bernard is still in, in, in red zone, you know, going out for the catch third down back here and there. I think Hill's the odd man out when you're talking these three if Bernard comes back healthy. I said the real problem we don't talk about is we try to sort out who the number one of these guys is going to be and who you want to own most, you know, throw ADP out and where their value is, but the one you most want to own in a perfect situation is the fact that they have no offensive line. So this could mean for, you know, bad years for everybody. Andy Dalton, you know, is even more average, and it affects what everybody else does, and nobody's able to run the ball unless they have somehow on the down low constructed a professional offensive line which, from my limited knowledge of offensive lines, doesn't look like they have right now. Well, you're exactly right. And basically, you look back the last few years, Cincinnati was pretty stout on defense. They fell right. to 17th last year. That doesn't bode well unless you're putting up points. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, the Steelers got away with it for a few years. And last year, they were a much tighter defense. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But, you know, Cincinnati's got to tighten up the defense, and they've got to st- – keep the trusted playmakers along with A.J. Green healthy. Yeah. I mean, simple as that. And like you said, band-aid some sort of offensive yeah. line together. Anything. All right. How much time you want to spend on the Cleveland Browns? Well, I think Cleveland probably as much as anybody actually had an intelligent draft, quite frankly. And I don't – I'm not going to give it away yet, but um, – Let's face it, they were 30th in offense last year, 31st in defense. You know, any equation, scientists can figure out that equation equals a pretty bad team. I like Crowell and Duke Johnson. I think they got to have a great backfield. Unfortunately, they got rid of Terrell Pryor, basically replaced him with Kenny Britt. So now you have Cody Kessler and Kenny Britt. And let's see. Well, it could be Cody Kessler or Brock Osweiler. Yeah. Take, pick your poison. That, there's a there, there's one <laughs> of our about, rounds for pick your poison. About Sophie's choice there. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, Corey Coleman intrigues me. Yeah, Corey Coleman is intriguing, but the thing is, it is Kessler and Osweiler. If they don't, okay, number one, if defense doesn't improve, they're sunk. Right, and if you don't create some sort of some th- sort of threat in passing. Duke Johnson and Isaiah Crowell, as good as they are, aren't going to win you any games. Yeah, you God, you imagine Isaiah Crowell almost anywhere else oh. where we'd be talking about him. That kid's that talented. What he's done, what he had 952 yards and seven touchdowns on that just godforsaken team last year. A team also that being him, I mean, Terrell Pryor emerged as the year went on. But really, going into the season, their only true playmaker—I'll do air quotes—I don't, you know, depending on your definition of playmaker. But Isaiah Crowell, you know, your best bet on offense, and the refusal to continue to give him the ball, maybe because they're down thirty by the end of the first quarter most weeks. That's that's true, and you know, maybe it, it kind of his average per carry was a little inflated because of that. But he averaged almost five yards a carry. Duke Johnson did too. He had twenty. He had eight carries of twenty plus yards. I mean, this kid's explosive, and and he did this under 200 carries. Right. You know, so, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. I don't remember what I was talking about. Okay, that's good because I didn't want to listen to anyway. (laughs) But I I don't know what to tell you. I mean, their weapons, they kind of shook, you know. I think they lost talent at wide receiver. Oh, certainly. You know. Certainly. And, you know, the line, how good can a line be? If you have no passing threat back there, that, I mean Kessler's got to step up and or Osweiler. I have no faith in Brock Osweiler. No, I mean here's here's a quarterback, big deal with Denver. They basically paid Cleveland to get rid of him. <laughs> so, I mean, what does that tell you? You about... don't see that in the NFL. <laughs> take this guy in please. this pile here, of here, money, twenty please. bucks. Yeah. Please no. take this loser <laughs> yeah. and get him away from me and his albatross yeah. of a contract. <laughs> you don't see it every day. It's really amazing. <laughs> So, really, I think the only question, you know, Corey Coleman, I think, is worth a late-round flyer. You know, a guy who could emerge. I think he ends up being the number one above a Kenny Britt. Kenny Britt's just sort of that, 
just sort of a guy. He always has been. Always big expectations. We always hype him up. Never really Had been a on nice a nice year last year yeah, on another terrible well, team. Well, that's sort of what happens to him, right? So he's just sort of pretty good on pretty bad or really bad teams. You've gone back through the entirety of his career for right. the most part. Coleman has the most upside there. So we don't need to talk about their, their wide receivers. You know, Njoku's very interesting at the tight end position. Very, yeah. very interesting. For, for again, for what it's worth, at many camp people just raving about this kid, saying everything you threw at him, if you got it even within his halo, he was bringing the ball in. That's a guy. I, I think he probably ends up being a number one tight end. You know, whether he falls closer to one or closer to twelve, I don't know, but I think he's in that purview. It becomes about where does Isaiah Crowell fall for you? I, I don't care about ranks. Is, is this guy a low end one? Is he a low end two? Is he a three? Where are you looking at Isaiah Crowell? Well, I think right now I'm looking at him as a high end two. Probably, yeah, I, I agree where, with that. I can't put I'm him at. at a one just because of what's around him. Exactly, and I mean, yeah, look, this guy is—I mean, he's sharing some time with Duke Johnson, but not enough to bring him down from an RB um, stat, RB one status, if he's on a decent team. But I, like you said, it could be down twenty to nothing in the first quarter. How many times are you going to run the football? Right. But he's still going to be a very valuable guy to have on your roster. ADP right now, uh, RB14, six pick to the third round. Sounds right about right. Yeah. You know, here's going after him. McCaffrey, I'm taking Crowell. Yep. Mixon, I'm taking I'm Crowell. I'm Crowell. Uh, Montgomery, I'm taking Crowell. He's wonder how long yeah. that's going to work. Nobody's going to be surprised this year, right? Now he's coming in as a running back. No, I don't know. I'm not – convinced that everybody was surprised about him either rick i think that offense is just so well, deadly that could be i mean you can't just focus on i mean you can focus on isaiah crowell but if you focus on ty montgomery oh well, so what we'll just throw it to jordy nelson we'll throw it to Devonte adams we'll throw it yeah. somewhere else it doesn't matter but sort of based on looking at these adps it looks like isaiah crowell was sort of the last back on that second tier which seems just about right yeah. to me just right about where he should be all right, we're running out of time, Rick. Let's get to the hometown team. Your Pittsburgh Steelers, <laughs> as folks, Yinzers like the you Yinzers. like to say. I'm to tell you something. They had a seventh seventh ranked offense last year. This offense needs something. And and you know, for all the hype and how high powered it is, they scored the same amount of points as Buffalo did last year. <laughs> and I mean, you know, Buffalo didn't have a bad offense. Don't get me wrong, but if I told you, I mean, that's that's the kind of response right. that you get, you, a chuckle. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, they're talking about this guy is an elite fantasy quarterback. He was under 4,000 yards last year. He only missed two games. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell's great if he's healthy. Antonio Brown's great. They need something, and I think that something has to be Martavis Bryant. Makes a big difference. I think it – They tried to do it with Sammy Coates, and he wasn't that guy. No, you're absolutely right. And, I mean, I think he could be the linchpin, like we talked about this before. They, Him and Ben, that stuff, that, that'll go away. That's it's not, junk. I it's think he could junk. be the linchpin to a very, very good offense. But right now, as it is right now, they need something. I mean, you know, Antonio Brown had 12 receiving touchdowns last year, okay? Jesse James and Eli Rogers were second on the team with three. Right. That's missing something. Oh, no question. So, I mean, you know, I think Martavis Bryant, I think a whole – I mean, there there is a um, a lot of tangibles that are going to be on this kid's shoulders. Right. And, you know, it, how he progresses through the camp. Look, he's got all the talent in the world. that He's got to keep his head on straight and, you know, stay healthy, obviously. Yeah. And I mean, I think they could have something really special if, if he, if you he can, plays well. If you can keep him off the weed and keep Le'Veon Bell off the weed and keep Bell and Roethlisberger. And, and Brown from dancing and getting penalties. Right, and keep everybody healthy, this could be a top two or three offense. It should be. Here's the problem you run into. By the names, by the skills, they are. Here's the problem. Conditions seem to have to be perfect for that team to play that way offensively. Here's the conditions you have to meet with Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. First of all, the game has to be at Heinz Field. Oh, it has to be. So, bang, we eliminate eight right there, right? Half half of them are gone. 
and the weather has to be pretty good. So that knocks off, let's just well, say. I've seen him play good in bad weather. Let's say two but, more, but okay. in general. Yeah. In general. And then he has to be healthy. Bang, we knock off four more. So basically what you're looking at is a really, really elite offense, <laughs> one of the best for things three games. for two or three games, <laughs> yeah. and that's what you're going to get. And that's what you have to look. Look, we don't have to talk about Bell. We don't have to talk about Brown. They're going in the first five picks of your draft, and they should. Roethlisberger, he's not a QB1 for me for that reason. He's going to miss time. No he can't play on the road. All those things he has working against him. Martavis Bryant, I got him clearly as a wide receiver too. I think he's that big of a difference maker. Maybe a little lower in a in a PPR format because I don't think he catches. You know, he's not a 90-catch guy, Rick, but he makes the big catch. He, he scores touchdowns. He could have 10, 11, 12 touchdowns at the end of the year. That could get you six elite games if he keeps his head on straight and Le'Veon Bell stays healthy. You know who I'm curious about is what, what it's going to look like coming out of the slot. You know, for having right. really never talked about him much until midseason, what they did coming out of the slot with Eli Rogers, you know, 48 catches, just shy of 603 touchdowns. Add another 112 yards in the playoffs. So you could see that trust growing for an Eli Rogers as the year went on. And then you bring in your boy Juju Smith-Schuster here. Right. He looks like another perfect slot guy. Yeah, you wonder who is I, – I still think it's Eli Rogers. Whoever – if there's a defined – clear first, you know, number three receiver slot guy, he could have some deep value, especially in a best ball format, where if somebody finds a way to bracket Brown and, and Martavis Bryant can't get deep, where one of these guys that can open up the middle of the field will have some value. Oh, exactly. The problem is, I don't know who it is yet. I think we're going to need camp to see that. Exactly. I mean, right now, obviously, I think it is Eli Rogers, but I'll tell you what, Juju has all the tools in the world. And I think he could certainly emerge as a big playmaker. And and they've got enough firepower where they could have four guys right. be significant contributors. And let's not forget Sammy Coates as much as he had a broken hand last year. I, I'm not totally writing him off. He still had almost twenty one yards uh, in average reception last year. And when that was with a broken hand. I mean, you know, you can see they got these, weapons. Yeah, got I weapons. mean, he makes a couple of strides forward in 2017. Now, where are you? You've got you could put five wide and right. destroy people. And if healthy, if healthy, and that's been a big problem for this team over the last three or four years. If healthy, I think a top five or six offensive line in the league. If you look at the names oh, across that yes, offensive line, definitely. now they can never seem to keep them all together, right? But if they can, this offense should be deadly. It should oh, be, no doubt. At least about the it. eight games at home. You know, maybe you you sign another quarterback to play the road games for them. And the thing that I really like about well, everything that we just talked about is with Ladarius Green out of town, Jesse James, and basically David Johnson and, and Xavier Grimble. You don't have to worry about them catching a bunch of passes. No, no, it's going block. to the, it's going to the skill players. You yeah. can protect Ben. Right. I mean, it, or, or open holes for Le'Veon Bell. I mean, it, it it works out beautiful with all that talent if they can just mesh. I mean, Todd Haley's got to bring these guys together, and Ben's got to stay healthy. Yeah, and learn how to play somewhere else besides Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, he struggles with that a little bit. He right. does all right in Cleveland. I yeah, guess. so well, we can, yeah, we'll give him that. All right, Rick, we only got two or three minutes left. Rank them. What order are they finishing in? Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's clear. I'm going Pittsburgh. I'm kind of torn on second. I'm going Cincinnati. I have Cincinnati at two as well. And I'm going Baltimore, a very close third Yeah, over Cleveland. Yeah, we, we have them in the same order. I think Cleveland takes a step forward, maybe win six games this year. I don't think they're as bad. They had a quarterback. I'm going with maybe the, five. If they had a quarterback of any repute whatsoever, right. you know, is Kaiser that guy later in the season? I think we see him before it's all said and done. But if they get a quarterback, everything else they've done looks right. You know, yeah. Got a good line. Defense. You add a, even a playmaker like Jabril Peppers. I know there's no place he really fits in this league, but he's just a football player. He's just a dynamic football player. I like what they have in the running game. You don't love the wide receivers, but they're certainly reasonable. This, this team, with some decent quarterback play, could win six games. And some defense. Well, that never hurts. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we just talked about all, all these weapons that Pittsburgh have. 
even some of these offenses that are in like in the middle of the leg. I mean, Cleveland's got to make steps to try to sh- shut some of these guys down. So their offense, even though maybe making some improvements, still going to be in the bottom half. And, and they've got to hold them into games where they can utilize Crowell and Duke Johnson. Well, that is all the time we have. Thank you so much for joining us here in the Arena Sports Network. We are Fligger and Briggs. Another episode of The Asylum is in the books. And hopefully... We still don't know yet, but Scott Fish will be in uh, later on this week for the next show. Yeah, we'll keep ever him, so listen listen out. We'll have another brand-new episode before the week's over. Check us out at Asylum Football on Twitter. Look for the Rick Briggs poll question of the week. It's <laughs> yeah. going to be worth your time. Check it out. AsylumFantasySports.com. Hey, it's time if to you, get- If you look at it, just click a button. Don't tell me. <laughs> don't, don't tweet me on how brilliant you are. Oh, and of course, it's time to start. If you got draft questions, we'll, we'll open up yes, a mailbag sex session every week if you start getting those questions and in. And they're starting to trickle in. But um, AsylumFootball yeah. at gmail.com, at AsylumFootball on Twitter. Of course, thank you again, Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com. Until next time, we'll see you. Take care. It was my fault we drifted away But if I had a chance to do it again I'd stay by your side and I'd